if you haven't watched this movie, you'll be glad to know that Mary gets her wish. Her wish when she threw that rock was to be married to George and to live in that old house. And if you haven't figured this out yet, men, women get their wish. So just go with it, right? I hope you will um, uh, watch this through this Christmas season. Usually at Christmas time, we kind of highlight a Christmas film only because several of them highlight and stick with the Bible amazingly well. And as I watched a specific scene in this movie this past week, I was shocked. I mean, I've studied for many, many years what the Bible says about temptation and how evil operates in our world. But as I watched this one scene, I had to watch it over and over because I was shocked as, as to how well it depicted exactly what the Bible says of exactly how temptation functions, exactly how evil operates in our world. You see, the Bible tells us concerning temptation, uh, well, actually it says several things, but here's one thing, that God is faithful. He will not allow our temptations to be more than we can stand. Now, from this, we recognize that I mean, if you stop right there, he's not going to allow our temptations more than we can stand. God is not our tempter, but our temptations are filtered. They're, they're father filtered. And why would that be? Why would God only allow it to as much as we can stand? Because temptation, the Bible's very clear, temptation always finds its root in us. There's no such thing as a, a tempter that, 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 brings temp, that brings temptation. It actually is in us. All a tempter can do, all the devil can do is probe around and poke around to find something in us. Jesus had an amazing thing. He said a lot of amazing things. One of those most amazing things was as just before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he told his disciples, he said, the prince of this world is coming. Other translations say the ruler of this world. When the Bible calls Satan the ruler of the world, it has nothing to do with his power, nothing to do with his biceps. He's just the chief sinner. You see, the whole world is fighting for their own way, fighting to win, fighting to get on top, and he just feeds that. He's the prince of that, the king of that. So Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming, Jesus said, but he has nothing in me. You see, Jesus knew that if Satan can't find something in me, he's got nothing to work with. But we all have something slightly awry on the inside of us. Other than Jesus, we all got something for him to work with. We all have some frustrations with our life. And Satan has an interesting way of finding that. Well, George and Mary were tested, just like we all are. They had a wonderful life, enjoying each other. This movie, the, the title, It's a Wonderful Life, is because of the wonderful life that they lived. And, and it depicts what a wonderful life is supposed to be. And what a wonderful, wonderful life really is, by God's standard, is a life of serving others and helping others. It's that life that's figured out that real joy comes from helping others and not just serving yourself. Well, that's the life they live. They help their, their townspeople. And they had such a warm community. But every wonderful life faces temptation, even George's wonderful life. And temptation again comes when it finds a root on the inside of us. As you watch this next scene, notice that George's friend unearths a little bit of frustration, just a little bit beneath the surface, and then it goes right from there, and then George faces the real tempter. See, the temptation's already in him. The, the root's already in there. But then he faces the professional tempter. I hope you realize how well that portrays, as if the Bible grew legs, exactly how temptation works in every one of our lives. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that we're all going to sit at Mr. Potter's desk, all right? 
But we are all going to hear some of these exact same things. Now, they're going to be tailored to us, just like George's temptation was tailored to him. But we all have a little bit of frustration. Did you notice this began with George just talking to a friend? And when George couldn't have the vacation that guy had, it just unearthed and displayed a little bit of frustration that was already in him. And that's always the case. The root is in us. But the tempter comes. The Bible says there's a tempter for all of us. And the tempter is the professional at probing and finding, and his, his goal is to unearth that frustration on the inside of us and get us to act on our frustrations rather than act on our faith. And the Bible also makes pretty clear that the tempter, when he comes to us, he appears. He appears, the Bible says, as an angel of light, and he's so helpful. He's so helpful. He's just trying to help you realize all that you're missing. For heaven's sakes, you've settled for such a low life when God has something so much greater for you and he comes across so helpful. He's such a helper. Oh, we're so thankful for his help that to help us realize what we're missing. Now, I'm going to go back. We're going to actually pick apart this scene and then I'm going to help you realize how this happens in your life. And every one of us, if you're paying attention, will remember, oh, yeah. I remember hearing that before. So we're going to go back. Some of the same things you just saw, we're going to go apart scene by scene, pick it apart and help us. And the title of the message is The Anatomy of a Temptation. All right. We're just going to leave that picture up there. So what's going through this head right now? What's going through that head? What's he thinking? Now, by the way, you're all going to hear this. We are all, we all already have heard this. And if we'll just think a little bit, we'll remember. Some of us may be thinking this right now. But that voice, that, that sitting under the influence of evil thoughts happens to all of us, right? And here's a couple of things that were said that we're going to hear. George, you are not a common, ordinary yokel. Everybody say yokel. Say that again. Say yokel. You're not, that's not you. See, you're special. You're different. These people, they're kind of lazy and, and, and you're different. See, evil always wants to get us to, to separate ourselves somehow. Somehow we're a little bit different and there's a goal. There's always a goal in mind. Evil wants us to think that way because the goal is for you to see yourself somehow different so you'll look down on others and really ultimately evil would love to have you oppress other people, take advantage of other people ultimately. But if it can't get you to do that, at minimum, its goal is to see to it that you don't help others. And you always, when you don't help, you always have justified reason to not help. Why? Because, well, you're different. You see, they're not like you. And did you notice this, the next thing? The next thing that the devil was so helpful in pointing out, and again, he's just trying to help, for heaven's sakes, trying to help you realize, did you notice that phrase, you hate your job? Isn't that, isn't that helpful? You hate your job. Is that what's, this is what George is hearing. This is what he's thinking right now. He's processing this. You hate your job. And that's not the only thing Mr. Potter said. He didn't just say you hate your job. He said you hate the building and loan. Now, if you follow, if you watch this movie, that building and loan is the institution that God was using to help this town, to lift many people in this town out of poverty, to get homes of their own, getting out of Mr. Potter's slums, and it was the, the source of an amazing amount of joy. And here's what's shocking. And this has happened to all of us. 
See, when you're under that influence, and the Bible says if you're a human being, you're going to be under that influence sooner or later, all right? It happens to us all. It's like you're looking through a different pair of glasses. It's like a different pair of glasses are put on, and when you're looking through that pair of glasses, all of a sudden, you're tempted to agree. You look at your life, and you're like, you know what? I do hate hate my job. You know what? I do hate this. Essentially, what, what he's saying is you hate your life. And oddly enough, when you've got that pair of glasses on and you're seeing through that lens, you're like, you're right, I do. My job stinks. My, the, the things around me, everything I'm giving myself to, it's, ah, I just don't like it. That's the influence of darkness on your brain. But it gets even better than that. The enemy keeps going, trying to help you realize how you're, how you're, you know, being cheated and, and there's something so much better for you. And there's a goal in mind. See, the goal always is to get you to abandon your God-ordained post because God wants you to stick and stay and help and be a servant. That's what God wants. There's always that goal. So after this, after the enemy has pointed out how you're not common, you're not like everybody else, and that, it, that helping you realize that you hate your job, you hate your life, now it gets even a little bit deeper than that. All right. We're gonna, some of these clips are going to be pretty short because there's so much detail in each of these little points. Did you catch that line? George, you're trapped. Everybody say trapped. Trapped. That is universal. Everybody's going to hear that at some point in your life. Some of us hear it every day. You're trapped. And when you're under the influence of evil thoughts, that's how you feel. That's what you're recognizing. You look at your life, and you're like, oh. I'm trapped, I'm stuck, I'm stuck in this place. And everywhere you look, you feel, I'm trapped, I'm trapped in this marriage, I'm trapped in this job. You look around at your church, I'm trapped in this church, I'm trapped. Have they locked, I hope they don't lock the doors. I think I'm stuck in here, I'm trapped. And again, it's a pair of glasses. Now, hopefully you don't have those glasses on right now, so you're not seeing that way. But hopefully you can remember times. And again, you'll remember this as you look into the future. So when you, you need to recognize when you're feeling that way, that's the voice of evil making you feel you're trapped. But it gets deeper. It gets deeper. Did you catch the next line, which is just the ultimate classic? You're trapped helping, he said, being a nursemaid to a bunch of garlic eaters. Garlic eaters, yeah. Now, there's different theories. Raquel tells me that in back, this was filmed in 1946, and at that time, that was a reference to Italian immigrants. Whether or not that's the case, what we know for sure is garlic eaters means they smell. They smell. And once again, here, this is universal. You see, the, the enemy's goal is to get you to stop helping people, to stop serving people to try to help you realize that you're trapped in a spot. God wants you way up here. You're trapped way down here. And if you start paying attention, not only are you trapped here, but you're trapped in a spot where you're trying to help what? Garlic eaters. That's right. The people that God is calling you to help, the people that God is calling you to serve, if you'll just pay attention, they smell. Now, what's universal about that? Here's what's universal about that is there's always a shred of truth in every temptation. 
And here's the truth. Jesus Christ came into this world to save, to give his life as a sacrifice to save who? Us, me, right? Garlic eaters. He came into this world to save sinners. He came into this world to give his life as a sacrifice for us. Gang, there was only one true king that ever walked this planet. His name is Jesus Christ, and he flipped that thing on its head. The entire world, and what Satan is the ruler of, is the entire world fighting to get on top, fighting for their win, fighting to, to get on top, and that listen to that voice, and ultimately it will, it will take advantage of people along the way. Usually you'll be blind. That's even happening in, that pro, in the process. But Jesus Christ came into this world, the only real king, and he resisted every effort. The people, the Bible says that the people tried to force him to be a literal physical king on the earth, and he resisted every ounce of that because he flipped that paradigm on its head, and he came, the only one who came to fight for the bottom, to fight to serve, to fight to give his life as a sacrifice. That's the real fight. That's the real dream, and that's what ultimately ends up being a wonderful life. And that was the life. And in this film, by the way, George really does display, they're attempting to display him as a Christ-like figure who actually does sacrifice, who does give up some of his dreams, does give up, and he sacrifices. And remember again, who is he sacrificing for? Everybody say garlic eaters. (laughs) Garlic eaters. I want to visit that again because here's the truth about you and me. God has called us to help. He's called us to serve. How about right here in this church? He's called us to serve. And here's, I'll make you a guarantee. Once you get on the inside of anything on planet earth and start fishing around, looking in the corners, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find messes. You're going to find problems. And if you're not careful, you'll think that you have a spiritual gift of finding problems. You'll think it's a gift. I have this gift, Pastor Brian. Everywhere I go, I can spot the problems. Well, that, that gift is already taken here at Life Church. We don't, we don't, need, we don't need more people on that gift, right? We, that's, that's not a gift, gang. That's the voice of darkness. And he's trying to give you an excuse to quit helping. He's trying to give you an excuse to quit giving. Because what God calls us to give to has problems. It's not perfect. But God calls us to give and to support and to lift and to help and recognize. And if you have the glasses, if you have God's glasses on, if you're looking through his word and looking through his love, instead of a bunch of garlic eaters, you look around and you see awesome people. You see people just like you. They're just like you. Yes, do they have problems? Yes, are they occasional smelly? Occasionally smelly? Yes, join the club, right? Right? Join the club. But if you're listening to that wrong voice, you're in a different club. You're just slightly different. And therefore, you're justified to not help. You're justified to not serve. You're justified to not give. Gang, this is our life. This is our calling to give. And I hope and I pray that all of us have the right pair of glasses on today. Every service, most of you, many of you drop the child off downstairs. There's a lot of really happy people down there serving your children. And now that's not the only location of service, but we're never going to stop. I'm never going to stop asking you to consider serving in children's ministry because it is the most important serving role in this church. More is happening downstairs than upstairs. You've heard that before. You'll hear it again. 
But there's many serving roles. Come January, the first weekend in January, we start up our Grow sessions again. Grow is the series where we walk you through endeavoring. The, the, the goal of the series, the Grow series, is to help you land in a place of service where you realize you're actually making a difference. But let me say it one more time and I'll move on. When you finally find your perfect spot of service, let me make you a guarantee, you're going to be serving garlic eaters. Promise, I promise. And if you look around, you're going to find problems. But that's not our goal. We're the ones God's called to help. We see it for what it is, and we see through God's lenses, and we see love, and we see people just like us. We see, we see that they need help, and we're glad to give. Everybody say give. Yeah. Say, I'm a giver. I'm a helper. That's us, right? And it's a wonderful life because we get it. We're not trapped. Now, here's the best part. It keeps getting better. It keeps getting better. Do you remember what, what uh, Mr. Potter, also known as the devil, ends his little riff? He ends with this. Do I exaggerate? See, what's, what's really on trial is George. He's the one, and, and, and it, the tempter throws it back into George's lap to say, George, now I've just depicted your life as one that you hate. I've just helped you realize that you hate your life. Now he throws it back in George's lap and says, George, do I exaggerate? Because it all rides on us. See, we're the one being tested. God is not allowing us to be tested beyond our ability. He'll, he'll allow you to be tested right up to that brink, though, because he's trying to root something out of us. He's trying to root a lie out of us. But a shocking thing happens when you're under the influence of evil thoughts, we're strongly tempted to agree. Like, oh, I want you to notice, this is a really short clip, but I want you to notice that we're only watching this to watch what is George's response. He's the, the, it's been thrown back in his court. Do I exaggerate? And notice George's response. Right. What's your point, Mr. Potter? Um, you don't need to analyze that too much to realize that what George just did was agree. George said, okay, all right. He said, what's your point? I, you're right, but what's the point? Gang, that's what's on trial. We're the ones on trial. Let me ask you a, a simple question. Be careful, don't, don't answer this out loud. Well, you can answer the first part out loud. You can answer this part out loud. Are you guys gonna have a wonderful Christmas? Are you gonna have a wonderful life? Now, don't answer this part out loud. Who gets to decide that? And I learned to say that not out loud because last night I asked that and half the crowd said, well, that's God. See, God's already cast his ballot. He's already voted for you. He's already decided to give you a wonderful life. And there's, so there's one, void, one vote for you and there's another vote against you. So do you know who actually gets to decide whether or not you enjoy a wonderful life? Me. Yeah, I do. I do and you do. We get to cast the deciding ballot in our life. God has already decided. And do you know what? That wonderful life, that wonderful Christmas, it's already there. It's already it's what you're looking at. See, if you listen to the wrong voice, you'll look around the, the table or wherever you're at on Christmas Day and you'll be tempted to see a bunch of garlic eaters. <laughs> But if you've got God's glasses on, you're like, oh, this is awesome. 
This is, I can't believe they allow me to sit here. I can't believe I get invited to this table. This is awesome. It's shocking how, how different your perspective is based on who you're listening to. Whether you're full of faith or whether you're full of darkness, it's shocking how different the exact same thing looks. Hopefully you can, if you forget everything else, I hope you'll remember this one thing. I hope you'll leave with this one thing. Here's my, here's my teaching point for you. As Christians, we are called to be miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, miners and not climbers. See, the world will teach you to be a climber. A climber, in other words, you're in a low spot, climb. Climb to get out of it. Climb to get in a better place. Always climbing. Interestingly enough, in that climbing, you'll always be a little bit too busy to help. Just a little bit. Now, you, as soon as you get up there, you're going to be able to help. You're always about to be able to help, but you'll always, it'll always keep you just a little bit too busy to help and to give. Uh, you'll give when you get up there, but not yet, not yet. That's a climber. And once you're on that track, that treadmill never stops. You're a miner. God calls us to look around and realize he's placed gold all around us. And we have to mine for it. Occasionally, you'll have to mine. And maybe when you look around at Christmas, maybe there need, you need to do a little bit of mining. But I promise you, you're looking at some gold. In your marriage, you're looking at some gold. But if you act as a climber for weeks and months and years rather than a miner, yeah, you can trample on people. Climbers trample on people and they don't even realize they're doing it. They don't even know it. They have no clue that they're doing it. They're just doing what seems best. Become a miner. Everybody say, I'm a miner. Because there's gold all around us. We're looking for it. All right. Now, the last question George asked was, what's your point? Because evil always has a point. It's always trying to help. It's always there to show the way up. It's always there to make sure that you stay just a little bit too busy on your path to find the wonderful life of giving and serving and laying your life down. So evil always has a role. And and when and if evil finds somebody who's actually helping and serving, and they realize, ah, I've got a runner here. I've got one who's going to help. I've got one who's going to serve. I've got one who's starting to figure it out. Going to help you, and they're going to make you an offer. An offer you can't refuse. Same there. Can I just talk to, let me just talk to myself. And I know this hasn't happened in your life, but I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that on judgment day, me, I, am going to be shocked how many times I shook the devil's hand. You might be too. Yeah, yeah, because that, that voice is universal. And again, I'm not suggesting... Now, in, in nine, this is 1946. In 1946, 20,000 a year would be exactly equivalent to 250,000 a year today. Okay? Now, let's just stop right here and, and say, so, so are, are, are we suggesting, is the Bible suggesting that... God is opposed to promotion and God is opposed to prosperity. Is that what the Bible teaches? Well, here's the biggest, here's the real point is, well, in this sense, yes, if and when, which many times it does, promotion comes at the expense of a life of service, yes, it's against it. 
Yes. See, in this process, in this deal, if you happen to catch, the key line was George coming back saying, well, what about the building and loan? And that's when Mr. Potter, you know, just got confounded. Are you afraid of success? See, the building and loan represented his life of service. That's where he was giving. That's where he was helping. And that's the issue. That's the key. Now, Normally, we sell out for a lot cheaper than that. And evil just keeps us too busy to help for a lot less than that. And the devil's not going to offer you more than he has to, but just, just enough to keep you running, busy with your... That's his goal. His goal is simple. Just keep you on your thing, and you're just too busy to help. Or you're just too busy with your own bills to help at the end of the service. Let's just get really awkward for a minute. At the end of the service, you may notice we pass a bucket in here. And if you're listening to the wrong voice, here'll, here'll be a thought. I've got my needs, man. And, and I'm just running to keep up with my own. Why would I put something in here and help these garlic eaters? <laughs> they may not think exactly that. But gang, it really needs to get that black and white for us. It really needs to come down to that black and white because that is what God calls us to. And when you have glasses of faith on, when you're seeing through eyes of faith, you recognize because it's the truth. Are we perfect here? We're far from it. But you know what? Lives are being changed here all the time. God is at work right here. And when you're serving here in areas of ministry and all the different areas of ministry, you're changing the world. When you're giving, if you're tithing here, you are changing the world. You're changing. And it's a sacrifice. Make no doubt about it. It is a sacrifice. But you need to know the truth. Quit discounting that. If, if and when you are giving, quit discounting that. You're changing the world. But evil's goal is to keep you just, just busy enough, just in debt enough with your own stuff, just one step ahead with your own stuff that... I'd like to, and Pastor Brian, as soon as this big deal comes in, well, then I'll be in that spot, and then that treadmill never stops. It starts today, right here, right here. I have to stop myself, wake myself up, and say, wait, 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 wait a minute. I'm going to give and serve. Everybody say today. Today. I'm going to wake up. The only day I have to live is today. Quit that dream of tomorrow. Quit chasing my own stuff. And trust God to promote. Trust God to take care of me. Does that make sense? We're going to trust God to take care of us. Well, we can't leave George here, can we? We can't leave George here. If you watch the movie, you can't stop now shaking hands with the devil, for heaven's sakes. But here's what, again, we're going to end where we started. That temptation actually has its root in us, according to Jesus. The tempter, he, he doesn't bring uh, evil in us. He just pokes to find it. So we're not going to leave George shaking hands. George, thank God, wakes up and realizes what's going on. But then interestingly enough, again, I'm shocked how well this depicts scripture. George is back, and as he leaves the office, he's back with his real enemy, his own head. He's in his own mind. There's no Mr. Potter anymore. He's in his own mind. Do you know that probably 90 plus percent of the darkness in our soul has nothing to do with the devil? How many of you have proved that you can be naughty without the devil's help? Is that true? 
We can. Raise your hand if you can be naughty without the devil's help. Raise, your, raise two hands if you can double it up. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we don't need his help. See, we end up in our own heads, and that's where the battle really is. And hopefully you'll realize as he leaves, he's, he goes home, his wife's already sleeping. But what you're hearing are his own thoughts. Hopefully you realize that, those were George's thoughts. Now we're in his head, and that's where we live, isn't it? That's where we all live. That's where we make our decisions as to what we're going to do. The wonderful life that God has for all of us is a life of giving. It is a life of service. That's where all of the fun is at. Some of you need to hear this. It is possible. It is entirely possible to have so much joy you feel like it's illegal. Some of you, it's been a while since you felt that. It's possible to look at people and just love them. To look at people and and not have a garlic eater thought go through your mind. To look at people and just say, they're awesome. It's possible. But you have to be under a different influence. It's called the Holy Spirit. But when we're, again, I I just want to describe, because we all are here on occasion, where we're under that wrong cloud. I'm going to end with one final scene where, interesting enough, he goes here from these thoughts. If you're listening to his memories there, it's his memories of what he'd promised his wife. And again, evil always has this crafty way, appears as an angel of light, reminding him of all these dreams he'd given up. And they're noble, isn't, there? isn't it noble to you know, travel the world with your wife? But what he'd given that all up for was actually to help humanity. Now, the interesting part of one, when you are listening to that wrong voice is it doesn't just call you up to this higher life it ends up having this odd side to it that you can't shake. And hopefully you'll pick it up in this little, this is about 10 seconds here. So this is right after he's just been listening to those dreams in his head, remembering, you know, that those dreams that he had. That's the odd thing about listening to that voice of evil. It, is, it has this two edges to it. That one, it's calling you to this life, these dreams, to chase your dreams. And in that moment, yes, that seems, but has this odd backside that you can't get rid of. And it's called self-doubt. It, it, you can't separate them. You can't. Once you jump in that box, and, and, and you're tempted to jump in the box because it seems so good and it sounds so good and it's all about your dreams and it's all about that glorious life. But once you jump in the box... You ask your wife questions like, why in the world did you marry me? You could have married Sam Wainwright or anybody. It comes with this odd, everybody say self-doubt. How many have discovered that self-doubt can be really dark and it can run really deep? Why is it so hard to get rid of? Because it is part of the box of chasing your own dream. You can't get rid of it. You can't now. I'm not saying it will be there constantly, but it will come. And actually, the reason God is even allowing it to come is to help you see that this dream is a false dream. This dream that's it's all about you, man. God's trying to wake you up because we are all going to stand before Him one day and realize that He called us to a life. He gifted us. He helped us to see the truth. He enabled us, and yes, He gifted us and He blessed us to help his people, to build his kingdom. And we're all going to stand before him on one day and find out one thing. Did we build his kingdom or ours? That's what we're going to find out. And you know what? Mr. Potter's not going to be there with you. It's not going to be you and the devil. You're not going to be able to look and say, 
He made me do it. Do you know why? Because he didn't make you do it. All he did is poke around and find what's already in you. That universal human desire that we're all born with to be on top. And he just pokes around enough to keep that front and center, just to keep you too busy to help. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm going to wrap up. But I'm just pleading with you before I end this service today to recognize this simple reality that the wonderful life that God has for us, it's found in simplicity. It's found in loving and giving and serving the people, the the church he sends us to, to to wake up and realize these, these aren't just a bunch of garlic eaters. These are the people that God has called me to build and to give to. Do they have problems? Yes. Yes. But that's why he's put me here. I can help. I can give. I can serve. I can love. That is the Christian life. Now, I'm going to wrap up with this one final reality. Friends, none of us are going to make it to heaven because we served enough. The bottom line is this. Jesus Christ had to come into this world. He died and he sacrificed because he knew good and well but none of us could be perfect. None of us could live that life of sacrifice well enough to, to gain God's approval. It is the life God calls us to, but that life really begins with recognizing that Jesus Christ, he's the only one who, he's the only ultimate sacrifice. And we spend an eternity with God because of Christ's sacrifice and not ours. And that's when real sacrifice begins. That's when he begins empowering you to wake up from your fog, to quit chasing your dream and start chasing his. There are several in here today that you've yet to fully sacrifice your life to Christ. A full sacrifice to him means you're chasing his dream and not yours. And it does. It involves repentance. It involves abandoning that false dream of you and saying yes to whatever he has you to do. Now, nobody's looking around, but if that's you, and you're ready to give your whole heart to him, turn from your own dream and turn to him. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, just raise your hand right there where you're seated. Raise your hand. Praise God. Thank God for these hands that are lifted. Let's all just pray this right out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. You came to this earth and lived a perfect life, and you gave yourself for me. You died on that cross punished for my sin and you are raised from the dead and you're alive forevermore and I'm going to live with you because of your sacrifice and not my own. Now Lord empower me to live your life, to live like you, to walk like you, to serve like you and to be a giver and not a taker. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.